Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped. Hello, Story Shapers. We're back this week with another fantastic guest interview. And this week I'm talking to debut Irish author Leona Ford. Leona's first book for readers of Seven Plus, Millie McCarthy, is a complete catastrophe. It was published by Gill Books in March 2023. And it's the first in a trilogy of tales about disaster-prone Cork schoolgirl Millie McCarthy. The books were born out of Leona's own daughter's plea for stories that were set in Ireland, featuring Irish characters doing typically Irish things, and Millie delivers all that in spades. <laughs> she's authentic. She's a heap of fun. She's so hilariously drawn to accidents and misunderstandings that lead to absolute chaos. And I'm thrilled to get a chance to chat to the author who dreamed her up today. Leona Ford, as well as being a busy author, is a full-time secondary school teacher in Kinsale, County Cork, where she teaches English and history. She's also a mammy of four, with children ranging from preteen down to toddler. So I'm amazed she gets time to turn her computer on, let alone write brilliant stories. Uh, you know, hats off to you, Leona. Um, and this might be her first book, but Leona has wanted to write for years, and this love of words led her to study English at University College Cork. She wrote for herself for years, having short stories and poems published here and there. But thanks to her very clever daughter, whose suggestion brought Millie to life in her imagination, she now has a three book deal and has created a memorable and authentically Irish character in Millie McCarthy, which children up and down the country are already enjoying. So, a big, massive fault you wrote to you, Leona. Welcome to Story Shaped. And sure, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, what an introduction. Thank you so much. That is You're amazing. More than welcome. <laughs> it's great to be here uh, to talk to you today because I really enjoyed your book, um, Millie McCarthy. I, I mean, I'd like to say I couldn't relate to Millie at all, but unfortunately, I, I could relate to her in very, very deep ways about being, uh, you know, accident prone and uh, tending to tending to draw chaos towards you wherever you go. Uh, and uh, I just thought it was very, very funny. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit, a bit about your book and a bit about where it came from? Yeah, so um, like you said, I have a daughter, she's called Asha, and about the age of 10, she got really into books, and she went through all the Diary of Wimpy Kids series, and then she went through Big Nate, Tom Gates, Dark Diaries, and I was running out of books for her, and then she said to me, um, she'd often come in into my bedroom when she was reading, and she'd say, Mom, what's a sidewalk? And I'd say, well, that's your footpath, and she'd go, oh, yeah. And, you know, when I go to middle school and I say, we've no middle school here in Ireland, and you're going to go straight into secondary. She goes, what is a middle school? And I said, well, it's kind of like upper primary. And then she said to me, all these books are about boys and all of them are set in America or England. And there's nothing about my life in any of them. And I thought she was right. Um, and I started in the car, dropping her to piano and dropping her to swimming. I start telling her little stories about this girl in my head called Millie McCarthy who was a complete catastrophe, always getting into calamities, but had a heart of gold and it never kind of wanted to cause any trouble or any wrong, but she's just accident prone and she doesn't think things true. So she's this really deadpan sense of humor that she can't see she's, you know, insulting someone or she can't see that her idea has no hope in succeeding at all. Mm -hmm. And 
then we would be driving in the car and she'd say, oh, mum, we're doing such and such in school at the moment. Can you imagine if Millie was involved in that? And then we would bounce little ideas off each other. Oh, God, can you imagine Millie would do this or she might do that? She might say this and we would joke about it. And then um, during lockdown, as teachers, we got to do the CPD, which is like continual professional development through the JCT in Poultry Ireland. And we were allowed to do these courses. They paired you with someone who was in that career. So if you were an English teacher, someone who's actually writing as a career. And if you were a music teacher, someone who's in a band. So I signed up for it and I did the poetry one. I absolutely loved it. And then I did the screenwriting one. Then I did the writing for children one and the writing for children one was with Patricia Ford. Um, and there was five girls in the group and we would write little bits of stories and bounce them off each other in workshop. And I had shown them a little bit of the Millie McCarthy series that I was working on for Asha. I was telling her about. So this was my first time putting it on paper. And after it, Patricia said to me, you know, you should submit some of your work to a publisher. I think you've got something there. And I was thinking, no, no, you know, this is only for me and Asha and it's it's not an actual book or anything. But I had written another picture book um, and it was called Granny Gets a Fright. And um, Patricia said, you know, submit it. So I did. And Gil got back to me about the picture book and through a conversation with Venetia Gosling, the editor, she said, are you writing anything else? And I mentioned Millie a little bit about her and she said, send me some in. And when I sent that in, then it developed into a three book deal. So a wild story. <laughs> so you kind of have Asha as your as your co-author and Patricia Ford as your mentor. And Patricia is a legend in Ireland and Irish children's she books. Is. So she's yeah, so I'm yeah. not surprised to hear that she was so helpful and so supportive because she's just a wonderful lady as well as a brilliant author and somebody that we, we love her work here in, in my house. Anyway, one of oh, she's one of our favourite yeah. our favourite picture book authors and uh, and I love her her novels for older readers as well. She's brilliant. Um, so that's fantastic. So you really had a lot. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that scheme you mentioned, you know, the kind of mentoring scheme for teachers during lockdown. That's a really cool thing. I'm glad you got yeah, a chance to fantastic. avail of I that. thought at one point they were going to kick me off because I had done literally every course that was available, but it was all through <laughs> Zoom. And like you said, I have four small kids and I work full time. So being able to do this little bit of writing for myself at night time, you know, remotely in West Cork was absolutely amazing. It's great to see that you're you're doing so much and that you've been you're so accomplished. I'm really uh, I admire that hugely. Um, but I suppose oh, the way we start off most of the interviews for the podcast is to ask the wonderful guests um, the big question, which is: Are you story shaped? So, Leona so, Fort, are you story shaped? I'm one hundred percent story shaped, but it's a little bit different to traditional books. And I was thinking the first thing that made me story shaped would have to be my grandmother. And her name was Maureen Herbert. She was my mom's mom. And she lived with us from the time I was born until the time she died. So it was like having two moms in the house. Couldn't get away with anything. Um, <laughs> but she was real old Irish. And she would sit us down at night time when my mom and dad had gone out and she was babysitting us. And she would tell us all these stories about the Banshee and the Puka and Irish folklore. And um, I remember just being fascinated by her stories. And she was almost like a, a shanky, you know, she would she would tell us the setting and the characters and this is what happened. And I remember absolutely annoying her to sit down and say, Nan, tell me the story about the black dog with the wooden leg again. Please tell me that story. And she would, you know, go off and tell it again. Hmm. And then another way I was story shaped was in our house, music is a big thing. And um, every single Sunday, my dad tuned into Cork's 96 FM for the oldies and Irish. So we would listen to ballads and we would listen to folk songs, 
things like um, Grace or Willie McBride or The Fields of That Right. And then I would say to my dad, what's that song about? And he would tell me the person behind it or the event or the historical thing. And um, that was kind of where I was story shaped. So I grew up in a, a little place called Balafihan and the towns are, are, sorry, the roads are called Pierce Road, Kent Road, Clark's Road. Oh, right. They're all named after the 1916 Rising. <laughs> so I kind of knew all yeah. these stories. And um, there's a song by the Dubliners. My dad often sings it. And I think it sums me up. It's uh, it goes raised on songs and stories, heroes of renown. Mm-hmm. And I think I know before it's... I could ever read, I was yeah. story shaped by music, and by oral, and by poetry. And then nice. when I started just... reading, I am um, myself and my best friend. She's called Michelle. We were given this job by her mum, and the job was that we had to call to her granny's house every single Saturday morning to return her ten mills and boons to the library. <laughs> And the librarian would give us this bag of 10 mills and booms for her granny. And we weren't to look at these books at all because they, oh they were gosh. granny books. That's hilarious. <laughs> so we, we each had a library card. And so we would get out three books each for ourselves. And I had a conversation with her on the phone yesterday. I was like, what books do we take out? And she goes, you were obsessed by the Enid Blyton. She said, you love the famous five and the secret seven. And then it clicked to me. Oh, yeah, I did. And then we had a big discussion about is it Mr. Tiddle Pink? And he was a guy that would help broken toys and stuff. He was Enid Blyton as well. And then I kind of went from Enid Blyton into Roald Dahl. And the reason was because of a teacher in third class and her name was Miss O'Brien Hearn. She loved drama. And I remember she brought in the book of Revolting Rhymes and Oh, I thought it was the best thing I had ever read. It was the <laughs> most funniest tongue in cheek. And she entered us into this competition in Cork called Fesh Machu, where you learn off, you know, a piece of prose or a piece of poetry and you recite it. And uh, to this day, I can still recite Cinderella by Roald Dahl. Oh, very good. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. It's kind of like <laughs> I say to the kids all the time, I bet you think you know this story. You don't. The real one's the real much, ones much more gory. gory. The only one, <laughs> one you know was made up years and years ago. And I think it's so funny because I've learned that off when I was in third class. And you still remember something. Still don't know it off yeah. by heart. And I remember being on stage reciting it and doing the actions to it. And I recited a poem called The Cremation of Sam McGee as well. Oh, I love that poem, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. Doing did the American accent with it all as well. Sam McGee was from Tennessee where Tennessee, the cotton blows. The... <laughs> I think it was it was that love of drama that she gave us mm. that really got me in. And then I went through the whole Roald Dahl series. And that was about in third or fourth class before I could read. Or sorry, before I kind of picked my own independent books. And then after that, I was thinking, where did I go from there? And again, it was another English teacher who kind of sparked my next love, which is historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And she introduced us to um, Marita Conlon McKenna's oh, yeah. Under the Hawthorne Tree. Yeah. And because um, for me before that, uh, history was just something that had happened in the past to anonymous people, you know, at a certain date. And there was like, these were the events and these were the dates. And when I read that book, I was like, oh, there was actually even though it was fiction it was getting this personal story of people who had lived through that time and yeah. I absolutely loved that it made everything about history so real for me and 
when we had finished that book in fifth, we had her again in sixth and she brought in Across the Barricades. Right. Joan Lingard. Joan Lingard, yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, the whole making the trouble in, in the north come to life through this yeah. story about these two kids from different sides of story. Um, that was absolutely amazing. So I think that really sparked my love of historical fiction. And even now I do love a good story that's set in a specific historical time because it was history in English is what I chose then to study. Yeah. In, so, yeah, 100% story shaped. That's amazing. I love that you started off your, your story shaped life with with songs and, and ballads and, and traditional folk tales at your, your granny's lap. I mean, that that's just beautiful. I mean, it's it's just, oh, I love that. Um, I mean, my, my dad is, I, I had a similar, not very similar, but like a similar upbringing. Like, you know, we, where we lived, there's a McCurtain Street. And my, my dad used mm-hmm. to always tell us about, you know, Tomas McCurtain, Lord Mayor of Cork, you know, and the Board of Independence and all these stories that were connected, as you say, to, to town, you know, to, to names of places and names of streets and names of uh, areas, you know. And we have a, we had a, near our house, we had a monument to the 1798 rebellion. And whenever we passed oh, yeah. it, you know, like we'd look at the names of the places on it and we'd look at the names of the battles. And you know, my dad did have the knowledge and he'd tell us about the battles and then the, the, where the men were marching. And, you know, because I'm from Wexford. So, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and whenever we'd pass Enniscorthy, we'd look up at Vinegar Hill and he'd tell us the story of Vinegar Hill and, you know, the, the siege that was there. And, you know, so it's 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 a really, it's a wonderful way of bringing the, 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 the landscape, I suppose, and, and uh, as well as everything else to life, you know, and telling the history through, through the places that you're, you're passing through yeah. I love that I love that about because I really think you're right in saying that songs are as much uh you know they, they carry story as much as as much as books do you know and certainly the one you're mentioning there the uh the heroes of renown that I love that song it's beautiful and it yeah. really I can really I can hear it. it's in my head playing now as <laughs> as we're talking you know um I mean I my family too there's lots of uh lots of great balladeers in my family and whenever there's and you kind of get together, you know, the, the guitars come out and, and the, the, song, the songs and the ballads get sung, you know, and it's it's a wonderful way to record, to record history, but also to bring people together, you know, and, and help help things live on. You know, it's wonderful. Yeah. Th- those those books are all great. And I love I love the cremation of Sam McGee. Um, that's a poem I studied. I think I studied that in school. Um, it's a great poem. I introduced uh, my kids to Revolting Rhymes. About brilliant. Ago. Yeah. I found it in yeah. the library and I went, oh, my God, you have to get this book. It's yeah. brilliant. And uh, one of them was really taken with the Red Riding Hood one. Yeah, that's what I was. My, I, my little girl loves that one as well. I loved it. I had <laughs> yeah. to read it so many, so many times over and over again. And of course, then I could hear that one of the kids was in school and the teacher was like going, um, they're reciting a little bit of poetry about um, whipping a pistol from so the knickers. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's just a old old poem. <laughs> But of course, they had gotten that bit off about the eyelid flickers. She whips a pistol from her knickers, shoots them dead. But it's so funny because I just think the power of poetry and songs to get kids to learn stories is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the minute that they and, and of course, anything with a bit of divilment as well, anything, yes. that's a bit, you know, divilment helps. But I think it reminds me and I, I read um, that you like medieval and middle english i do yeah that was my my previous life yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah, funny I, enough I, when i went to um ucc one of the professors i had was for middle english his name was andrew king and he studied chaucer with us and we did good. the canterbury tales i remember yeah. i'm in my 20s but absolutely loving the development of the camp absolutely tales. it's the most Especially yeah the miller's tale and I yeah, remember yeah. all about you know like fair jokes in the miller's tale or you know someone shoving their butt out the window so the guy kissed yes. the butt instead of the face instead of the face like, yeah, yeah. That no it's 
absolutely lives on forever. Um, yeah, no, I, I did. I actually did English and history, same as yourself, for for my degree. But then I went on to do graduate study in um, in the medieval literature, which I, I still love. Yeah, but Chaucer is one of my literary heroes for for that mainly for that reason because people yeah. are so funny and people kind of don't they don't see it because they all oh my god look at this weird language what's going on and they don't they don't give it enough of a chance i mean some of the tales in the canter tales are a bit they can be religious or they can be you know yeah. you know they're not they're not all funny but the ones when they really are when they are funny they really are funny funny yeah, <laughs> Pure, yeah. You know. yeah. yeah they don't um, age at all like no, and i find lots of kids you know when i'm teaching them shakespeare and stuff there's actually quite funny jokes inside and a lot of even the tragedies and stuff like that and i think sometimes we can be a bit afraid of telling kids things and we will gloss over it like the nurse in Romeo and Juliet she's absolutely terrible you know the jokes she comes up with and and sometimes if you do kind of hint to the kids you know obviously this is what she's saying and they get it without you having to you know spell it out, spell it like, out oh, yeah really is that in there? You know? and they find it quite funny as well yeah, yeah. you teach uh leaving cert is it is that the all you teach from first year right up you, to leaving you teach all, everything yeah, yeah 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 very good that's amazing. I, I sometimes I kind of wish I had because my other plan for my life was to was to be a teacher of English and history. That was what I was going to go for, and then I didn't do it. But sure, look, we end up where we're meant to be, I suppose. Yeah. But it's uh, certainly it's uh, I I love the two subjects that you you teach are, are my two favourites as well. So, um, so that's brilliant. Um, let me see. So, um, how about did you go uh, to the library much when you were younger? Do you remember anything with the library? Yeah, I absolutely loved the library in Ballafihan. Um, it was called Tory Top Library. And we used to go every Saturday to get the mills and booms for the granny. Oh, of course, for the mills yeah, and booms. Uh, but yeah. then we had a teacher as well who would bring us up there because we um, went to a convent school and there were yeah. the presentation nuns and it was very, very close to the library. So we would walk through um, Maria Sumta Primary School, which would bring you into the back of the church, through the nun's secret garden, up the hill and into oh, the library. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. And I remember it. there was a set of books. I was trying to ask my friend Michelle if she could remember the name, but she couldn't. And I asked the librarian in Bandon because I was popped into my own library yesterday to get more books for the kids. Asked her and she said she could remember them as well, but not the name. But there were a set of books that there was a mystery in the book. And in the back of the book, there was an envelope. And when you open the envelope, oh. there was a paper um, magnifying glass or a binoculars or a map. And depending on what you chose, it would give you a code and you would go to a certain page to read the ending that you had chosen. So it's wow. like an interactive book. And I like it, one of these choose your own choose your own yeah. adventure type books, but for a mystery. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't know what they are. But if anyone is listening and they know what that is, do let us know and <laughs> put us out of our misery. But no, I, I love those kind of books too, the ones where you can choose your own ending or you, you pick, you know, you pick at the end of a page. Are you going to go this way or are you going to go that way? And then the whole whole different story opens up. But they're really clever. Um, I don't know how people write them. You must need no. <laughs> four or five yeah, brains the, the library will be something that we do every week um, with my kids I just I can't there's four of them so I yeah. can't keep up with buying that amount of books of for course them, not absolutely yeah yeah oh that's really great well. though yeah that's yeah brilliant. it's fantastic and we have a lovely library down here in Bandon as well and they do lots of little art workshops and stuff like that so actually just during last summer I was just finishing off the book one of the Millie McCarthy series and there was a workshop and art going on so I popped Asha and reading into the workshop and I wrote down the corner of the library it's <laughs> lovely it's a really fantastic one it's very interactive as well they have like really nice space for people who have sensory um, issues they have a lovely little study desk they have a 3d printer and there's a uh, meeting rooms for the community as well that they can use for you know little wow. art groups or, or little writing groups it's fantastic it's amazing yeah 
Yeah, we're big fans of, library, of libraries here on the podcast. Uh, we're always doing our best to shout about how fantastic they are and how much of a, a you know, a, a, the most wonderful thing humanity has ever done for itself or the, mo- the best thing society's oh, ever done is to yeah. invent the library. <laughs> you know, yeah. the public library is, is the best thing. So that sounds like an amazing library you guys have. Um, it's brilliant. You know, one of the one of the questions that uh, you sent to me yesterday, yeah. it, it really made me have an epiphany. And the question was Good. about stories that have influenced my life. Yes. And so I was thinking, right, uh, what books really stand out to me? And you, I, I know if I like a book, I'll end up keeping it. So I have a little cupboard where I usually give away all my books, you know, to my friends and stuff. But there's a couple of books that I just can't part with. And so these are two of them. There's The Herbalist. Herbalist. New Voice. Voice. And there was Ocean Young's On Earth Were Briefly Gorgeous. I love that book. And there was, um, what was the other one was The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah, I love that one as well. I did that in college. Yeah, and The Secret um, Scripture by Sebastian Barry. And I don't think I've read that one, actually. Um, Scarlet Letter is lovely. I love that. Well, it's, I mean, it's lovely. is not, not the right word, but it's an, it's an amazing, amazing book. Fantastic um, book. Yeah. And I was looking at all of them and I was kind of, you know, reading the back the blurbs at the back going, oh, yeah, this I remember what this was about. That's the reason I kept it. I liked it so much. And oh, yeah, yeah the herbalist. Oh, yeah, I, I really love that. I actually read it twice. I think I read it, put it down and picked it up and reread it. Right, again I love that. I love that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And Sebastian Barry's The Secret Scripture was given to me by another English teacher in school. And she just handed it to me and she said, this is for you. You like it. And I read it. I came back in and I was like, I couldn't put it down. I read it in maybe two sittings. I just I had to know the ending in it. Yeah. You know, some of these books. And when I went through all the books yesterday, I realized they're all the same story, the exact same <laughs> story. And the, the story is that there's someone in power who tells people this is the way you should live your life. And then there's someone who goes against that and the hypocrisy of everyone in society that turns against the person who has rebelled and the sanctimonious view of the person in power saying well this is what life should be like you know and I was like going oh my god all of these books are the exact same they're about close-minded society they're about um, someone being in power telling someone else you should live your life this way when they're not actually living their life that way at all I was like (laughs) all my favorite books are the exact same story just told in different ways yeah, brilliant and from different yeah, perspectives yeah. and different yeah, yeah the, um, then, like the scarlet letter you know yeah, yeah yeah she she has a child out of wedlock and is forced to wear this letter a on her chest yeah and then we we learn that well it's actually one of the elders who has put her in this situation the man telling her you know that she, she is you know a condemned woman for for having a child outside of marriage yet he's the one involved and then on you know in the um Sebastian Barry's The Secret Scripture. Again, you have the Catholic Church telling a woman who has had the child out of wedlock that you're not fit for society and now you need to go into a mental asylum. Yeah, so all the stories. And I think the reason they speak to me is I think they all tell us about compassion. Yeah. And that really we need compassion and you need to look beyond a person's circumstances and beyond what you think is right and wrong and go, well, everyone's different and everyone needs kindness in their life and compassion yeah. and understanding meet them where they are I suppose yeah, yeah. have you read um Claire Keegan's uh oh gosh the name's gonna be hit now the most recent one she had um, the small, small small things like these is yeah. It? yeah yeah I read you it read was that one fantastic yeah, yeah. and I actually choose to do foster with every class 
if it's on the list, I'm doing it. Um, and they've recently changed the Leave Insert Applied course, which I'm, I'm very happy about. You know, it's, it was a very technical English course before. Right. You would teach lots of letter writing, email writing, um, book reviews, reports. But they've changed it now to include more poetry and more novels. And one of the novels on the course is Foster, and I was delighted. And the students, oh, they absolutely loved it. You know, and then we watched on Colleen Kuhn as well. But the ending drives them mad. And it's so funny because it's like a Marmite ending. You know, straight away. I don't know the ending, but yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like when the novel ends, one of the characters says daddy, but we don't know who she's talking about. Whether it's spoiler alert. Sorry, I've spoiled the ending. Don't worry about it. But you never know. And I, the kids ask straight away, you know, the students will say, but miss, which one is it? Which one is she talking about? And I'll say, you, we don't know. You have to make your own mind up. What do you think? And they either love that openness and this idea that, oh, I get to choose in my mind what has actually happened. And some of them hate it. Some of them are like, oh, I didn't, the whole, I love the book, but like the ending, it just let me, it left That's me with a question. And I yeah. didn't like this unanswered question. I love that. I love, I love endings that are kind of, you know, won't say ambiguous, but endings that the, the, the reader can input, you know, have their input in, you know, that you feel like you're, you're kind of part of the story or you can almost make up your own, you know, version of what happens next. I love that. I think it's really yeah. cool. But some people, I, I know some people too. find it really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's like the outsiders, as he Hilton, as he Hilton, you know, in the end, they're like, but what happened to him? This? You're like, well, no, that's where it ends. He just writes the story and we don't know what happens. We don't know what happens. <laughs> I love that. I think it's, it's a real skill of, a, of an author to sort of, you know, to do that in a way that leaves it open, but also gives you enough closure, I suppose, to, so that you don't, you're not going totally mad, you know, or to not leave, not, not leave too much un, unexplained or not too many loose ends untied up. But uh, but it's a real skill of an author. Yeah, if, it, if, if you catch yourself thinking about that book when you put it down. That's the mark of a good book. Next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, how do you think that, you know, why do you think you're drawn to stories like that? I mean, you know, how, or how, rather, how do you think those kind of stories have have impacted who you are as a person or as a teacher or as a mom? I think I like a little bit of the unknown and mm. I don't think I enjoy when things are too tidy and too wrapped up. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea that you can sit there with the story in your head and go, well, I actually think this happens and I think it happens for that reason. Yeah. And what would happen next is possibly A, B, C or D. And I love the endless possibilities of a novel like that. That's brilliant. Yeah, you yeah, must be a great. You must, you must be a great teacher. I'd say your students probably have great time. You know, it's lovely to hear a teacher that's so open minded, I suppose, you know, and that you can you can, you can imagine being in your class and having endless you know, fun debates and discussions about, about books. Oh, and what thank they mean. you. That sounds great. It's brilliant. I, I, you know, as a person who in another life would be doing your job you know it's great to hear that uh, great it's great to meet a person who's so so good at it and so and who loves it so much you know um I love I love here I love meeting teachers who really have a passion for the subject and especially when it's English because it's so close to my heart you know mm-hmm. um I, you know you, you don't know how much good you're doing you know by bringing bringing kids on and helping them to develop this develop you know their, their own imagination and their 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 wonder of, at the world you know uh that's mm-hmm. it's such a powerful thing to do for someone so Oh, you. thank That's you. You know something I get so much enjoyment out of it though, because the kids are great. You know, the kids I teach are, are so fantastic. And I love when when we get to an area where you can just throw a little grenade in. Yeah. You know, a little question in, and then 
and then watch it, watch it, watch it explode. Yeah. Debating and arguing about something, and you, it, it doesn't matter what the book is, you could just drop a little, but don't you think it's his fault that, or yeah. you know, wasn't she right to do this? And just stand back and watch it. <laughs> I love those moments in the classroom. That's fantastic. And was there, was there any kind of, was there any book in particular you could point to that maybe made you want to be a teacher or maybe you want, made you want to be a writer? Can you pinpoint it that accurately or? Um, no, or I've, there, there wasn't one in particular. I just yeah. think, you know, looking back on it, I've been shaped by so many different things. And I was thinking about, you know, the books that I've loved and the choices that I made in college were kind of funny as well. And I think music, poetry, and songs and stories are all interchangeable for me. I remember um, I did a poetry course in UCC and we were asked to choose a poet that we really admired and, and to write a little thesis on the poetry. Yeah. And I couldn't, absolutely couldn't choose one poet. That There's I so liked. many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was talking to, to the professor and he says, well, what are you reading at the moment? And I said, I'm reading Catch a Fire. And he goes, what, oh, what, what is that? And I said, it's the biography of Bob Marley. And he said, well, there you go. That's your poet. And I said, but Bob Marley is a songwriter. And he said, but sure, every, every song is a poem, but just with music. And I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, he's right. So I actually did my poetry thesis on the songs of um, Bob Marley. Bob Marley, that is, yeah. you couldn't do, couldn't do it on a better fella. That's brilliant. I love Bob Marley. <laughs> yeah, and then in, in history, I had um, Larry Geary and we were doing the famine. And uh, my thesis on the famine was the songs of the famine wow. and what we could learn about, you know, what was historically correct or inaccurate based on the songs like Christy Moore's, you know, City of Chicago and yeah. like 47 and some of the old Irish folk songs. So for me, everything was always interchangeable between poetry and song and history and stories. That's beautiful. It's a, it's a living culture right there. It's gorgeous. Um, and do you perform? Like, do you have any, do you sing or do you have any, any instruments yourself or? No, I'm shockingly bad. All of the talent <laughs> in the family has bypassed me. But uh, my daughter Asha plays piano um, and yes. she sings. She's a beautiful singer. Yeah, but um, it would be my mom and dad's friends would be very musical. And actually one of them, um, he wrote a little song about lockdown and COVID and stuff like that. And I was laughing because I was like, this is probably, you know, the songs that people will be listening to <laughs> in a number of in years. In a hundred years. Yeah, it's, it's a historical yeah. record. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And are songs like City of Chicago, maybe you know this from your studies, are they actually contemporaneous like to the time? Are they are, are they written later? Like, I mean, were they written during the time of the famine or were they kind of no, written that afterwards? No, that one was written later. But like that, I think it's it's like a, a novel, you know? Yeah, it's a brilliant song. A, a historical yeah. novel set at that time and then the imagining mm. what it would have been like at that time for them. I just wonder how many, how many, how many, or rather, how accurate the recording of, of history, so to speak, is in, in these songs. Like, you know, if they were written at the time, maybe you'd see there's there's actual history in the songs or if they're written mm. kind of 20 or 30 years afterwards, maybe they're more, you know, idealised or, or kind of not not quite the same, not quite right because people are kind of looking back or they're, you know, they're listening to, you know, listening to stories about, you know, you know about the period or, or they're not remembering things correctly. So I just, I kind of wondered whether, you know, how how valuable I suppose the songs are as a historical record as well as, as, yeah, well as being beautiful. You need to be careful about bias and you need to be careful about, you know, you know, putting rhyme in for the sake of rhyme and, and yeah. putting something in because it sounds good or sounds controversial. But I think there's definitely value in all of them anyway. Brilliant. But it's 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 lovely that people can take um you know can take music as a as a way to interrogate the past or a way to sort of understand the past or it's just fantastic. It's really, really interesting. I'd love to read your thesis. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's amazing. So, um, and one of the things we kind of like to ask about, I know maybe at your stage in your career, you're 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 only kind of beginning, but I suppose you have this in your head too. Maybe, um, you know, when you when you write stories, do you ever do you hope that your stories that the the what the stuff that you're creating will help to shape your readers in any particular way you know not maybe in a moralistic way we're not saying that people write to in order to manipulate their readers but mm. like I mean do you have anything that you'd like to um express to your readers through through Millie or through your poetry or through anything that you might write yeah well I suppose with book one of Millie McCarthy one of the things that people have pointed out to me afterwards and it wasn't a conscious decision at the time actually is that there's a lot in the book about climate change and oh, about yeah. you know there the is actually, impact yeah, yeah. yeah that that each one of us can have on the world and you know I put it in there because at the time my kids were going for the green flag and I was hearing all these little stories about you know what they were going to do about conserving water and you know bringing in these naked lunch boxes and we weren't using tinfoil anymore and stuff like that so you know I was getting all these little ideas from the kids and the stories they were telling me but actually it's been you know a little happy coincidence that people have said oh you know there's a lovely little message about taking care of our planet and you know, rewilding and conserving water and that kids are conscious now about, you know, that we have a duty to protect our world. So I think little things like that is nice. But for me, the thing that I love is when I'm reading with my kids or when they're reading and they come into the room and they're like, mom, sit down, listen to this. (laughs) And they'll read out a little bit of the book or they'll come in and say, mom, look at this picture. Can you see this? And they'll point out an illustration that they, they think is really funny. And that's what I wanted for the series. I wanted it to be a book that sparks joy in kids. I wanted it to be a book where they could see themselves. They could celebrate our culture. Yeah. They could almost kind of like have a break from life for a while and it for it to be just fun. So there's snot jokes, there's bottom burp jokes, there's deadpan humor, there's kids getting one over on adults. And I love kids being kids. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially in modern day, they're growing up a little too fast and they're on TikTok and they're on Instagram and they're obsessed Mm. with phones. And I see this, especially with teenagers in, in my school. They're so conscious of what other people are thinking about them or they're so, you know, looking at other people's lives and comparing their own lives with it that they forget to have fun and I just wanted Millie McCarthy to be a little break and a little bit of humor and a little bit of fun because I think that's one of the most important things of childhood absolutely you're dead right I often give thanks you know that I grew up when I grew up that I'm I'm a bit older you know that I didn't have any of that stuff when I was because being a teenager is hard enough you know and you're already self-conscious enough without having to worry about what so-and-so is doing on Instagram or you know it's it's really it's a really complicated thing I'm sure to navigate for for kids so it's great to have people in their lives like you adults that are you know aware and kind of conscious and and, you know sensitive to that and and who are giving them these uh, these tools to navigate this world they're trying to live in um but you mentioned your kids drawn your attention to pictures in books and I wanted to talk to you a bit about um the pictures in your own in your own book yeah because, uh, illustrated by Karen, uh, Hart Karen Hart's Dublin illustrations are amazing, amazing. yeah they add they add so much fun to the to the story so can you tell me about working with Karen was, was it, how did you get on with doing that yeah so um Gil was looking at different illustrators and sending me little pictures and stuff like that and um I loved Karen's work and what really stood out to me about she had done some work with um period poverty and about girls in sports and I loved that I love 
just the message you know, behind the work she had done. Yeah, a bit of a feminist streak to me. Good, good, thought, absolutely. Yeah. And like this really, really fits well with me. Brilliant. But the other thing was that when I was telling Asha these stories, she would go into her room. She loves art, and she would draw. Millie McCarthy and she would draw Big Bull Rebecca and she would draw a little scene that was taking place and come into me and say this is what I think happens and this is what I think it looks like and so when we were looking for an illustrator I said to Gil is there any possibility that we could work with someone who will take on Ash's ideas on board or even just look at her art and her sketches brilliant oh yeah and so we did so Millie McCarthy Munter Emer and Big Bo Rebecca are taken from Asha's templates drawings. They're really, really close to what Asha originally did. Isn't and then, um, yeah, and then Karen had some fantastic ideas, like other characters then are completely 100% Karen's. They're amazing, like the bus driver and, you know, the granny and everything. They're, they're fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's, and Asha loved that, that, she, you know, she was 12 and that her ideas were taken on board because she was the one saying to me, well, she has to have her at here, mom. And it has to be in a side plash, but like bits of her hair need to be coming out because she's always so crazy and messy. And I think the uniform needs to be red with a grey shirt. And she had all these pictures it in her head. And it was just so special that Karen was willing to work with Asha's ideas as well. How brilliant for Asha, like to be to be validated, I suppose, you know, by by adults that are working in the field. That's amazing. And uh, and also like how great for you guys, because you, you have a you have an expert on hand, you know, Asha's the right age, you know what I mean, that she's able to give you you know, first-hand accounts of what, what this should look like and why her hair should be like this and what colour this should be. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't, that's really amazing. Yeah, I'm I really lucky because I, I live with four critics. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the minute I write something, I'll call them in. I'll call one of them in anyway. If I want to test if they can understand it, I'll call in yeah. Isaac, he's seven. And right. I'll read it out to him to see if he can get the joke or if there's a word I'm using that, you know, I'm, I'm like, mm, would he have that word? Does he understand it yet? Mm. And then if I want to test if something's funny, I'll read it to Asha and Rian. They're 12 and 10 to see if they get it. Um, and then I have a little four year old as well, Indy. And so, um, yeah, it's it's very handy because I can read something out to them and straight away from their reaction. I'm like, this is a keeper. Or, OK, they're not getting this. It's not funny <laughs> enough. I, I need to tweak this a little bit. Are they quite cruel as well? And they'll be like, Mom, we would never, ever say that. Yeah, that is not cool. We would not do that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks. There's, I'll whip that out. So there's, there's none as cruel as a child critic. That's actually I, I didn't one know. of the questions you you asked was um, my to be read pile and what oh, we're yeah. reading at the moment. Yeah. And one of the things people find funny is because because I'm a teacher, I'm always reading six books at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading one book at one and I, I don't get them confused, but it's the exact same in my house. So my reading pile at the moment is every night at Indy, the four-year-old will choose oh, one of look these at books. That. Be wild little one. I love Be that. Be wild one. little one. And yeah. um, Fidget the Wonder Dog, Patricia Ford, and Why Puppies by Kez Gray. So she'll choose these around her bedside locker and she chooses one every night. And she's got favourite lines. So even though she's only four, because we're reading them over and over again, she's starting to learn them off by heart. Yeah. And um, so her favourite little line in fidget the wonder dog is a flip my heart with love dog yeah and it's the fact that she's only four but she's picked that out you know and then she gets all excited when he comes back yeah she's so delighted and I think it's it's one of these adventures that it brings the child on you know this really low oh my god he's gone missing what's gonna happen and then the height of when he comes back I can see the emotions on her face every night yeah. And then um, she loves eye puppies as well because she can name each puppy. I can't. They're too hard. There's too many puppies. <laughs> no, in too many. She knows every <laughs> yeah. puppy's name. 
That's and strange. then if she chooses be why little one it, it's very specific that I'm not allowed to say be why little one so I read the line and then I look at her and she says be why little, little one isn't that fantastic come to her yeah. favorite line which is um dance with fireflies near and far wish on every single star and she says that as well so she's learned this little bit of poem off you know, from the that. book yeah so, th so they're her three favorites so that's one of the things I read every night and then myself and Asha because she's getting to that age where even though she still enjoys chapter books like um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid mm -hmm. she's getting a little bit older and wants to explore different books and but she's at that age where she's still kind of like oh I, I didn't really like that now and I'm not sure if I'm going to go on because something bad has happened to the mom in the book and I don't know you know and so I'll read the book with her or she'll read it with me and then we yeah. can't discuss the book till both of us are done <laughs> so we've just finished this is the pile she has at the moment so she wow. has um Sarah Webb's The, the Beach Armour of Henry, Henry Street, Street. Yeah. loves historical fiction like me yeah absolutely taken with this and then when we went up to Dublin we had to go visit Henrietta Street so she could see the tenements that were in absolutely it. yeah have you done the tour that you can do because I've done the tour of the of the Henrietta Street tenement it's really really interesting actually and this is our two at the moment oh look at that so we have your time tighter <laughs> look at that and joke chapter 14 with it at the moment so we can't discuss it yet no I won't give any spoilers Asha is reading a game, a game of, of life for death, death by Campbell. Campbell it's brilliant yeah, yeah. So I'm just a little bit through this. So we're swapping them back and forth. Two of us are reading them at the same time. And this is what we do. We buy two <laughs> books. I read three chapters. She reads three chapters of the other one. And we swap the books swap back, and, back forth, and forth. And when we finish them, we can chat about them. That is so good. I love that. It's funny because one of us will say something. You know, I'll I'll say something going, oh, my God, I got to the part where Jan and she's like, mom, don't. don't I'm not there yet. Don't. Don't tell me about that. That's lovely. What a great thing to do with your with your with your with Asha. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So we like to do and of course she loves the fact that the main character is called Asha. Oh, of course, in, in a game of life yeah, and death. In a yeah, game of yeah, life and death, yeah. because it's a bit of an unusual name. And I remember a, it is unusual. People yeah. hadn't yeah. heard it before. Yeah. Um, but she thinks it's absolutely amazing now that a main character in the book has the same name. And then these are mine. So when I'm collecting kids from school, I always have two, <laughs> maybe three books on the go. I like to have one in the car for drop-offs and pickups, one on my bedside locker for nighttime reading, and then one randomly around the house. Very so, good. So what yeah, are they? These are my, my mother's day presents. So they're all the I can't oh, all the broken places by John Boyne. John Boyne. And we and have lessons, lessons in, in chemistry. chemistry by Bonnie Germis. Very good. And would you recommend those? Are they good? I'm I just not, starting those two at the moment, but I have just finished um Donald Ryan's. Um, the Queen, Queen of, of Dirt, Dirt Island. Island. Oh, absolutely adored it. And the fact that it was a male author and predominantly female characters that sounded so real and so authentic. I just thought he's an amazing writer. I absolutely yeah. love his job. It is, a, it is a skill, isn't it, to get into the to get into the blood and bones and the brain of, of the other gender, like you know, or yeah, and the granny and this reminded yeah. me of my my own uh, Your granny. kind of this oh. irreverent kind of like, you know. She, she had all these phrases that I remember, you know, and they were quite insulting, but they were quite quick. You know, she'd often <laughs> say about someone, he wasn't built for soft ground. <laughs> That's kind of, and you're like, man, you brilliant. can't say that. <laughs> you know, that her, brilliant. I love that. Because it takes a second to work out what she means. And then when you get yeah. it, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, 
a sniper wouldn't take her out and you're like no you can't say that type of thing but she, <laughs> she was just one of these this is the granny who's telling me stories yeah she's just one of these grannies that she just said what came into her mind yeah well you gotta, you gotta admire that and then um i this was one that i finished last week trespasses, trespasses by louise kennedy oh. yeah i've heard great and things like about that historical one. fiction for an adult absolutely love that it was set in the troubles but that yeah. it was the, the story and the characters again that that drove it rather than the setting but the setting was almost like another character this menacing character in the background that could erupt at any minute you yeah know? yeah yeah I think anyone who, who lived through that time in Ireland's history will remember how that felt. I mean, even though yes, I didn't live yeah, near the border. I watching it on the yeah, it's, stuff, it was yeah. it was a real thing. Even for people like us who lived in the south, you know, it was it was a real, it was a real thing, a real menace, you know. So, I think it's amazing how people are dealing with that topic in in literature. Maybe they always did, but like it seems to be there's a few books at the moment that are, you know, that have the troubles as a yeah. as a backdrop, you know. So maybe people are reckoning with it now as they as they grow into adulthood and mm-hmm. middle age, maybe, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's this all my my pile of books. That's a great pile of books. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm delighted that all your kids are great readers. That's that's amazing. Um, you know, I just isn't it brilliant to think, you know, that um the books that shaped us when we were kids, the stories that shaped our brains and our hearts and lives when we were young, that maybe we might write a story that would be similar for somebody else, you know, that they might look back when they're adults and look back and go, God, yeah, when I read Millie McCarthy was is complete catastrophe when I was seven. It really put me on a on a path towards being a climate activist or, you know, or you know, or even having compassion for people who are a bit clumsy and do things that are a bit mad, you know. <laughs> because yeah. Um, it may turn people off. I was going to become a teacher, but then I read Millie McCarthy and saw what Moon Dreamer was going through, and I thought, no, <laughs> decided no, it's far too much stress for me. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the teachers do get put through the ringer in that book for sure. Um, oh Lord, and I just I remembered I haven't been to Photo Wildlife Park since I was a little girl, but it's a place I'd love to go again. But you know, when you, when you read about it in Millie McCarthy, you just it really would make you want to go, but not the day Millie is there, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I've yeah. had um, a couple of little kids come up and say, "Oh, I." I went there and I read your book and it was about there you know and my own kids yeah. come up to me in the yard now which is the other my kids think it's hysterically funny you know a little kid will run up to say will you sign the book or something while I'm picking the other kids up from school in the car and they're like oh look at mommy she thinks she's a celebrity now she's getting to sign books they think it's very funny because this little kid came up and they were like oh I, I needed to tell you that I was in that zoo and I was like, where are you? Did you get to see the monkeys? Yes. And I saw the giraffes and I saw the monkeys. I don't know if there was the giraffe that was in your book, but I saw the giraffes in that zoo. Isn't and it reminded lovely? me of when I was younger and I had read the short stories of Frank O'Connor. And I was like, oh, God, they take place in Cork. That's that's crazy. You know, an actual story that takes place in the, the city that I live in. And I think that's lovely for kids to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, their own town recognized in a book. Yeah. And I was, yeah. I was with that little kid. It was lovely. <laughs> it really does. It is special when you when you come across a place, you know, or, or even, the, you know, mentioning a place, even if it's only mentioned in the book that is familiar to you. It's, it's really it's a wonderful thing. So to have written a story like that, that's about such it's, it is such an Irish story and such a Cork story it's, it's fantastic for kids um that in the country in general but especially for if you're if you're in Cork and you're familiar with the places that you're, you're going to in the book um so it's fantastic it's a fantastic achievement um but I suppose what's next for me my next question is going to be what's next from you in terms of upcoming projects I suppose you have your your sequels to Millie McCarthy to yeah, to, to so, wrangle into um, shape Karen the <laughs> illustrator is working on book two at the moment and it's called Millie McCarthy and the Irish Dancing Disaster it sounds brilliant and, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
take place in County Clare this time. So it's a bit different. And um, yeah, she just she decides she wants to go Irish dancing because she sees someone with a medal and decides this is it. Um, she's going to become a world champion Irish dancer and be very famous. But, uh, you know, in true Millie style, it doesn't exactly <laughs> work out the way she thinks it will. And yeah. then I'm currently writing book number three at the moment. So I'm kind of working on and I'm a planner. I can't sit down with a blank piece of paper. I have to plan it out going right. I wanted to start like this and end like this. And these are my three big scenes. And this is going to be the, you know, the climax of the calamity. And then I, I'll plan, you know, right. How, how am I going to get a little downtime here in between these two big scenes? So I'm planning two at the moment. And then I'll see which one speaks to me more. Which and, one? Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll write in little scenes then and see where they go from there. And you were telling me before we started recording that you, you write by hand, like you're you're a long kind of a longhand yeah. writer, and then yeah. So how, tell us about that process. How does how does that work for you? So uh, a lot of the time, my writing is in little snippets where I'm, you know, I'm dropping Rain off to soccer, and there's a half an hour or something before I need to collect him, and I'll have my notebook in the back of the car, and I'll whip out my pen, and I'll, you know, I'll imagine right if this happened, what would Millie say? What would she do? How would she react? What would Ellie Jones say in this case? Would Big Bo Rebecca try and get in on this? What would the boys do? And sometimes I'll be chatting to the kids about what happened in school. Or like one of my um, one of my younger second years there a couple of weeks ago said to me, Miss, he took my pencil. I said, just give him back the pencil, please. And he goes, no, it's not his pencil, it's mine. And I said, listen, come on now, stop messing, give him back the pencil. And he said, hippity hoppity, the pencil's my property. <laughs> it was brilliant and I was like stop for a second come back here tell me what you said again write that down that's, that's fantastic so I have a little notebook with things I've heard or things I've I've seen or like oh that would be quite funny or god remember that or yeah she the pencil is my property I have to remember that forever that's amazing <laughs> it was the things that they say and, and this big like 15 year old boy Saying it to the other, holding the pencil up, waving it around, not giving it back to him. I thought, yeah, I'm going to have to use that. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. So little you, things like that, yeah. Do your so kids I write are... little scenes and little sketches or yeah. little ideas. Yeah. And then um, when I'm ready to put it all together, I'll start typing then. And that's where, you know, I begin editing a little bit. Right. I think the first thing is, and I always say this to my kids in school, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't yes. have to be perfect. It, it yeah. just has to be on a page. Exactly. And I always say to them, your first piece of writing should be your sloppy copy. Yeah. And if it's not sloppy, then it, you know, you haven't got enough done. There mm. should be reams and reams of writing with lots of mistakes that we can polish up afterwards. But if you are so concerned with what other people think or you're con so concerned with getting it perfect the first time, you're just going to stall yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Perfectionism yeah. is such a such a killer of creativity, isn't it? When you, oh, completely, you're yeah. aiming for perfection, but nobody ever gets perfect. Nobody, no book is ever perfect. Even published books aren't perfect. You mean you no, read them back yeah. again, and you might go, "God, if I was doing that now, I'd probably change X, Y, and Z, or I'd I'd have that it that chapter would be different or whatever." You, you even with your own work, you know, it just has to be good enough, you know, to to yeah. to get get where you wanted to go. And um, I think you're always going to compare yourself. Like I'm reading the Time Tiger now at the moment, and I'm like, God. I've, I can't, I'm I I'm not fantasy. I can't write fantasy at all. Yeah. I, I write very much contemporary what's happening now in the real world. And I'm like, oh, that's a, how do you make up this whole different dimension? You know, and, and these <laughs> rules 
That's amazing. I could never do that. Well, it took 20 years. So it's probably one of the answers. And it's funny to me because to me, to me, Time Fighter is my contemporary book because all my other books are set kind of in a, in a fantasy, you know, another like another time, you know, like a fantasy yeah. Victorian era or a fantasy 1940s. You know, and so the Time Fighter being set in the modern world with, you know, mobile phones and vans and cars and the whole lot. To me, that means it's, you know, it was totally it was so different for me and so, so difficult, you know, so it really gave me a, an appreciation for people who write stories that are contemporary, you know, completely contemporary, because you have to take so much into account, you know, to make it realistic and, you know, not to, mm-hmm. you know, not to insult kids intelligence i suppose you know by having people using you know text speak on their mobile phone instead of you know because they don't do that anymore you know or you know yeah. you know giving away your age by you know using technology that was around when you were a teenager yourself um so to me to me that was a that was a challenge but yeah no it took me a long time to come up with the it took like it took 20 years of trying and failing and uh, getting things wrong and uh trying again basically to get that to work mm-hmm. so that's that's the answer to that question um but i hope you're enjoying the book <laughs> I am. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Asha keeps she keeps coming in to me to say, what part do you want now? And I'll <laughs> say to her, right, so he's gone missing and Lenny's gone missing. And she's like, oh, oh, yeah, keep going. Keep going. I'll be back to you in two days time. You're going to love what happens next. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then I'm doing that. that with her. With, a, with her. With the other life one. She'll come in and she'll be like, oh, my God, she's just gone to. I'm like, oh wait for the next get to the next chapter yeah (laughs) which I I think it's a nice thing you know and people always ask me one of the questions I I get asked every single year by parents are my child was a great reader but they don't read anymore what can I do yes and I say do you read yourself oh no I wouldn't have time for reading I'm like well a child's not going to read if they don't see you doing it and if there's not books in the house and if they don't see everyone enjoying it you know absolutely yeah it's one of the things that it's you know the way as well like when they're getting to that age, you're not cool. They don't yes. want to talk to you about stuff. Yes. They don't I'm want living, to, in, you living know, in that age at the moment. Stay in the yes. car when you collect me. Don't get out of the car whatsoever. <laughs> I think to, to be able to have that little connection through books is amazing. So uh, listening to you talk about your connection with your with your daughter, Asha, is beautiful. It's really actually really made me emotional to think about how lovely that is, you know, because you don't, it doesn't happen for everybody, you know, it doesn't happen for every parent. And um, it's something that I, I, I know you treasure. I, I listen to you talk about it. I, I know you treasure it. So uh, it's something I hope, I hope to have in years to come um, with my own, but it's, uh, it's, 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 and you're right, because when a, when a child sees a parent reading, it's really the, you know, because if, it, if, if you're not a reader yourself, or if you don't show a kid that reading can be enjoyable and can be fun and can be something you do for, for leisure or whatever, or even just, you know, you know, for enjoyment, you know, they're, they're going to see it as something that's only there for, you do it for you do because you're learning something you do it because yeah. you know you, you have to because you, you have to meet certain criteria in school or you have to be you know whatever um but I, I I read all the time like I'm I'm a big reader um and so my my little girl always sees me with a book I always have a book in my hand for whatever I'm doing yeah. so I'd like to model that I know it's hard for parents if you're not a reader to so, suddenly become one but uh you know if you it, it is it is important I think if you can to try and model it as a as a way to as a way to yeah. relax or as a way to to enjoy yourself uh, well, I your think kids will follow you we're living in a nice time though where there is a resurgence definitely in reading and I yeah, see it in my so, class yeah. groups as well because of TikTok actually and oh book yeah talk. yeah yeah book talk, and they yeah. all come in like they, they were all coming in recently with the Colleen is it Colleen Colleen Hoover Hoover books yeah 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 I said, oh they seem very popular at the moment where did you get the recommendation for them and they're like oh book talk so these books are really popular and then they were telling me there's um 
little channels that people follow where it mixes fashion with books and it's like you read out a little piece of the book and it could be a breakup scene and then there's a little TikTok of what I would wear if I was in this scene in this book <laughs> that's brilliant actually <laughs> or yeah. there would be like you know five outfits to wear in a Jane Austen novel but it gets the kids into the books then because they Absolutely. want to read a little bit of that Jane Austen novel to see you know well, whatever I think works good, yeah. you know, that is great insurgence, yeah. definitely I love that. That's brilliant. I'm, I'm totally TikTok is a, is a closed book to me. I haven't a clue. Never was on it in my life. But no, I, I've I never often, been on it in my life. I, 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 I think I should. Everything. I should try and get on it. But I suppose you, you have the benefit of having a having a direct link to to young people, you know, between yeah. your work and, and in your in your parenting life. Um, it's it's a real resource. Um, now, does anyone ever get worried that you're going to use their use them in a book? Does anyone, anyone in your life ever go, don't put that in a book? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have had that. In, um, I've had a little book signing in our local bookshop in Bandon Books. And I had this cutest little six year old come down and tell me that he was currently writing a book as well. Brilliant. So I said, oh, my God, can you tell me a little bit about your book? So he started telling me about this robot and the robot was going to be a soccer player. And then he clamped his hand over his mouth and he was like, oh. I can't tell you anymore because you could steal my story. <laughs> I thought Aww. it was so cute. And I was like, I promise I won't steal your story. It's like, okay, well, look, when it's written, I'll give you one of these books, but I can't tell you anymore just in case. That, that kid is going to go far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute. I love that. That is fantastic. I love it. Um, but we're coming up to we're coming up to an hour now, and I think that's a. Uh, it doesn't the end feel of like our episode. I know I'm watching the clock, going. This is amazing. I could be here all day, um. But I just want to say, just thanks a million. I mean, I really was. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and it's been. I love when, as I say, in in a. Uh, interviews when we come across books I haven't read before I'm, I'm looking back over my notes I took as we were speaking going, I'm going to have to read all those books I have to <laughs> put them on my library list um so thanks for all the wonderful recommendations um, and all the all the brilliant I, I love the way when when people take they can talk about books and they can sort of you know tie them back to their life and, and kind of show me how, how they've uh, how they've influenced them and, and and what they mean to them so it's great to have had that experience with you so thanks so much for that thank you um, so much and thanks for having me on it's been an absolute well. pleasure and it's been a joy. You know, something I really enjoyed sitting down yesterday and going through and even in our chat there I had totally forgotten about um the Bob Marley thing I had done isn't that great? I love I that. I love that. that. It's, 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 the chat came up, yeah. it's it's an absolute pleasure. It's such a privilege for for me and Susan, who can't be here today, but uh, uh, but she's usually here with us. Um, to to have that experience with people, you know, when they when they do think about books and they go, God, I have thought about that book for twenty years or for thirty years or whatever, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful to have that. Uh, to be here with them as they go through that memory you know it's it's real it's something I really don't take for granted so it's great to be here to do that with you today so thanks so much thank you um, so much for having me it's not at all. just been so lovely you're welcome <laughs> but until next time story shapers I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have um please do the usual and rate and review it and share it with your your granny and your dog and your neighbor and your boss and whoever um and we'd love to have more ears on the podcast um but thanks a million to Leona today for having uh, given me her time and uh, being so generous with her time and expertise today. Um, and until next week, we shall bid you farewell. So Sláin Gafol <laughs> from me and Sláin Gafol from Sláin. Leona. <laughs> Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Story Shaped with Susan Cahill and Sinead O'Hart. Follow us on Twitter at Story Shaped Pod. And don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Betts. Mm-hmm.